Have you ever noticed that podcasts are a little like sharks? When they stop swimming, they die, and they can both smell blood from a mile away. So in the spirit of keeping swimming, I'd like to introduce you to TOS Plus. Putting my business pants on for a second, TOS Plus is our new premium membership thingamajig. It's the all-access pass to a growing library of exclusive horror, sci-fi, and WTF audio fiction, along with access to the regular TOS weekly stories in higher quality, a week early, and ad-free. Once again, that's exclusive episodes, ad-free, a week early, and higher quality audio. You'll also get access to the brand new TOS Plus Vault, where you can grab our ebooks, comics, and desktop wallpapers and all sorts of stuff. All of this is available today via our Patreon campaign, which includes juicy extras like Discord access, audiobooks, and merch. And if you're an Apple user, you can subscribe directly via the Apple Podcasts app. We're now in our eighth year of the podcast, and we've got so many cool projects on the boil none of which would be possible without the ongoing support of our listeners, specifically our premium subscribers, our super-powered patrons, and the many multi-dimensional voodoo priests air-guitaring to the TOS intro jingle. For more, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hello, my name is Alex Markley, and I'm inviting you to check out my new podcast. It's a surreal sci-fi comedy series called The Unlikely Adventures of an Improbable Family. It's about a forlorn shell of a man, his egotistical laptop, a cartoon alien fuzzball, and a mysterious woman with telepathic abilities. You can find The Unlikely Adventures on the web at unlikely.show or wherever you find your podcasts. Give it a listen and let me know what you think. And thanks. The Nest. Act One. Jamie. Jamie stood at the edge of the mall forecourt and watched the steady stream of passers-by, examining them from behind his sunglasses to ensure he didn't recognize anybody. 
It would be a total disaster if one of his classmates' parents saw him skulking around a shopping establishment a solid two hours before school was due to finish for the day. When he was convinced that the coast was clear, he made his way into the mall and took the stairs to the second floor, avoiding the elevators where the bloated and wheezing security guard seemed to spend half his shift. He knew that he'd have no problem outrunning him if he needed to, the man was well into his fifties, but he'd prefer to remain unseen during this particular shoplifting excursion. He approached the Radio Shack electronics store, aware that his window of opportunity would be small before the cashier, a bearded and bespectacled man in his thirties, would start to suspect him. Luckily, the store was fairly busy and Jamie knew exactly what he needed and where on the store to find it. He would prefer to not have to steal, of course. However, Jamie felt that theft was his only option. His mother gave him a regular allowance, which he was grateful for, but it was meager and didn't cover even a small percentage of his daily necessities. He spent most of this money on cigarettes, which he was certainly addicted to by now, the fine sprouting of short ginger hairs on his chin making him pass for the minimum age of 16 that was required to buy them. He'd read in a newspaper that this limit was soon going to be increased to 18, which he was sure would impact his nicotine consumption greatly. He enjoyed Camel Lights, which according to the packaging had low tar and camel taste. Jamie wasn't entirely sure what camels tasted like, but he doubted it was similar to inhaling bitter cigarette smoke. He knew some older boys who were closer to that age, but the thought of asking somebody else to aid his smoking habit made him feel silly. Perhaps he would give it up, but not right away. He'd do it closer to Christmas so he would have more spare money to add to the Nintendo fun he had started with his younger brother Frank. It currently stood at $12, nowhere near enough to buy a brand new NES, let alone the accompanying games. That was something he definitely couldn't steal due to the fact that video game consoles were usually kept under lock and key out of reach behind counters rather than on the shop floor. Jamie needed a two-way radio as his last model had met the undignified end of being trampled on by his mother during one of her regular late-night wine binges. She had stumbled into his room, waking him up to kiss him goodnight and slur, I love you, sweetie, into his ear while slobbering all over his cheeks, crashing around on her way out and smashing his TRC-214 walkie-talkie to bits. He heard the plastic casing crack, watching with annoyance as his mother trudged out, her fluffy slippers barely noticing the damage they had done. Jamie was good with tech and knew plenty about two-way radios, so much so that he could improve them beyond the state they arrived directly from the manufacturer. He could improve their range and durability, but the TRC was beyond fixing after its run-in with his inebriated mother. Jamie kept his head down as he entered the store, a cool blast of air conditioning sending a shiver down his neck and blowing his red hair across his forehead. Radio Shack was one of the only three places in the mall with a CCTV camera installed and it just so happened to be pointed at an angle that Jamie could avoid once he got to the end of the aisle that was stocked with most of the radios. The TRC-214 was in this blind spot, 
Away from the high-end and expensive equipment that Jamie would have to work 25 summers mowing lawns to be able to afford. Jamie scanned the shelves for the product that he required. A 3-watt, three 3-channel three CB radio stored in a blue-and-white striped box. There was just one in stock. The end of the box split open, and a corner of the clear polythene that protected the walkie-talkie inside was spilling out. Jamie knew that he wouldn't be asking the cashier if there was one in better condition in the storeroom, so with a quick look over his shoulder and then another down the adjacent aisle, he swung his bright yellow backpack from his shoulder to the ground, unzipped it, and bundled the radio inside in one swift motion. Jamie was back on his feet, his Nike basketball shoes, also stolen, squeaking on the floor as he marched back the way he had come in. He left Radio Shack, his backpack considerably heavier than before, and turned back to the store to see the cashier showing an Asian woman a pair of extravagant-looking headphones through the glass. He clenched his fists in triumph. He had made it. As he rounded a corner, he collided hard with the mall security guard, bouncing against the man's rotund stomach and nearly falling backwards. Jamie gasped and leaned into his heels, ready to make a run for it. "'Hey!' the security guard yelped, like a dog that had its tail trodden on. "'Watch it, kid!' Jamie walked around him without a word and began descending the stairs to the ground floor. "'Shouldn't you be in school?' The security guard called after him, neon lights from the nearby arcade reflecting off his balding, sweat-speckled head. Jamie shrugged. I guess so, he responded. It was too quiet for the security guard to hear. Plus, he didn't seem to care. He turned away and continued coughing into a handkerchief that made Jamie feel queasy as he imagined the fabric filling with the man's slimy mucus. The kid had a sudden realization that he'd be doing the same in years to come unless he kicked the camel habit. Jamie made sure that he had timed his arrival at home perfectly so that it seemed to his mother that he spent the day at school and finished at the appropriate time. The bus took almost 45 minutes to get from the mall and up into the hills of Creekwood Pines, the small town where he had lived his entire life. It took even longer to get there from the school, so his truancy and diversion were taken into account when he approached the front door of Number 4 Houston Drive. The street was a cul-de-sac in an ordinary suburban area where the houses looked the same and were mostly populated by families, although everyone kept to themselves. When the sky was dark and brooding, he felt like he lived in a graveyard. His mother had been drinking again last night, singing along to Elvis Presley records until the early hours of the morning, meaning that she wouldn't have made it out of bed until at least midday. Even then, she'd have been nursing a hangover from the couch, and although it was likely that somebody would call the house to check on Jamie's whereabouts, he had the presence of mind to remember to unplug the phone before he had left that morning and could guarantee that she wouldn't notice it wasn't working. Nobody called them. Not unless a bill was overdue or it was even worse news. It was raining lightly, the clouds that had congregated in the sky refusing to commit to a downpour. As Jamie opened the front door, he needed to kick and lift the expanding wood as he unlocked it. It needed repairing, but much like the many problems with the house, it was likely to be ignored by his mother until it became a serious problem. 
The first thing Jamie noticed was that the house was freezing cold. His mother would usually crank electric heaters up to their highest setting at this time of year, no matter how much Jamie and Frank complained. The boys would often find themselves wearing shorts around the house, as if they were on the beach. Mom? Jamie called out as he pushed the door closed with a thud. If she didn't immediately respond, it would mean that she was asleep somewhere, probably on the couch with an empty wine glass in hand and some trash show on TV. But Jamie couldn't hear a soap opera or a game show at the usual unbearable volume. He couldn't hear a thing. Mom? Jamie repeated as he stepped from the hall into the living room, his voice shrill. It was empty, a pile of blankets on the couch and a full glass of orange juice on the coffee table. The ashtray next to it was overflowing with long, stubbed-out cigarette butts. The television was off, but it had been pushed outward and was facing towards the kitchen. As he moved into the center of the room, he noticed a chair on its side and an upturned plate next to the dining table. There was food, some remnants of macaroni cheese smushed into the carpet. The curtains were drawn, and the only source of light was a flickering lamp in the corner. The room was gloomy, and for a brief, fleeting second, Jamie felt afraid. The kind of fear that would chase after you when you turned off the lights downstairs and ran up to your bedroom, half expecting a skinned demon to be clawing at your heels. Jamie walked to the corner of the room and leaned over the armchair where nobody ever sat, checking that the phone remained unplugged. Once he saw that it was, he fished around in the darkness for the cord and pushed it back into the wall. The phone sat on a mahogany side table where more cigarette butts were scattered, the receiver not quite in its cradle. He nudged it back in place and went to the kitchen. His mother wasn't there either, and the fridge was wide open. He closed it, taking a mental note of all the oddities that added to her bewildering absence. He couldn't recall a single time that she hadn't been at home when he returned from school. He felt his throat constrict with anxiety as he made his way upstairs and checked the rooms up there. Her bedroom was empty, and the bed was perfectly made, almost as if it hadn't been slept in at all. Frank's room was empty too, a mess of superhero and wrestler action figures piled into the middle of the room. Jamie's room was far more presentable, but when he stood on the fraying rug, his mind running wild with speculative thoughts of his mother hanging from her neck by a rope, he noticed a hairline crack in the glass of the window. He moved closer, the sky that backlit the tiny break now blackening as a storm threatened holding out one hand to touch the window. He ran his finger back and forth over the crack, and as he looked down into the yard, he saw something strange. Puzzled, Jamie made his way downstairs and back into the living room where he knocked over the glass of orange juice from the coffee table onto the carpet with a clunk and a splash as he absentmindedly ambled towards the kitchen. There, he fumbled with the deadbolt of the back door, opening it wide to be greeted by a sturdy rush of wind in the face. He scampered over the garden, tripping over raised patio slabs as he got closer to what looked like a scattering of large dark feathers, as if a huge bird had been attacked by something impossibly bigger. He'd seen it before, the carnage left behind after a bird had been pounced on and torn into by the talons of an owl, but these feathers didn't look like they could belong to owl prey. 
Jamie sat on the couch inside the house, his backpack still on as he tried to call the one person who might know where his mother was. A woman with red cheeks and wire wool hair named Shelly, who sometimes gossiped with her on Sunday afternoons whilst drinking homemade mojitos in the yard. He found her number in a leather-bound phone book, but when he called, it just rang. He thought about calling his Uncle John, but he knew that he'd probably just tell him to stop being a pussy and not to worry. Jamie was frustrated and had convinced himself that he was overreacting by the time the front door bumped open. He felt a brief swell of relief, which was instantly doused when he realized it was just Frank coming back from soccer practice. I'm starving, he yelled. Jamie appeared next to him as he closed the door. Mom's not here, he said with concern. Frank looked unbothered. Maybe she went for groceries, he suggested, throwing his muddied boots onto the ground. Really? Jamie said. When was the last time she went for groceries? I've got all the food stamps in a drawer in my room. Frank shrugged and started padding upstairs towards his bedroom, where Jamie knew he intended to spend the rest of his evening acting out fantasy wrestling matches between Spider-Man and Hulk Hogan. Frank, Jamie called after him. This is weird. The kid didn't respond. Jamie listened to Frank's footsteps as he walked into his room and heard a thump as he dropped his sports bag. If she's not here... Frank shouted, as if he'd been suddenly presented with the revelation. Then I'm having ice cream for dinner! Several hours went by, and as it grew dark outside, Jamie had been swept up in the newfound freedom having no adult in the house meant for him and Frank, despite the fact that his mother had never been particularly strict. Halloween was approaching, and although that was the last thought on Jamie's mind, it was clearly a priority for Frank. The brothers gathered in the living room in front of the television, a VHS of Night of the Living Dead, a movie that their mother would have never let Frank know existed, let alone watch, playing whilst the younger of the two put on the final touches to his teen wolf costume that he'd impressively handmade. A half-full bowl of mostly melted mint chocolate chip ice cream was at his feet, and he was paying no attention to the groaning zombies on the screen. Jamie was lying on the couch, staring at his toe poking through a hole in his sock. You should eat something, Frank, Jamie said. Frank was cutting some red fabric with scissors. I am eating something, he said, nodding to the bowl. I mean, something that isn't dessert, Jamie added. I can cook something for you. How about a grilled cheese? Frank didn't answer. He was biting his lip as he concentrated on loosely measuring a strip of the fabric. Jamie sat up with a start. All of a sudden, he remembered that his friend Rahim had been off sick from school all week, a nasty cold leaving him stuck in his bedroom whilst his dad worked one of his three jobs. Rahim was a weird kid. But Jamie thought he was cool. He had a telescope and a pair of binoculars, often acting like a member of the neighborhood watch as he monitored those who lived nearby, convinced that the residents were lizards in human suits or members of satanic cults. If anybody had witnessed something suspicious or even seen his mother leave the house, 
it would be Rahim. Plus, he had a two-way radio. Jamie took his backpack into his bedroom and switched on the table lamp on a wooden sideboard that was the hub of his workshop, various tools strewn across it, and scrawled notes on scraps of paper. He took out his TRC-214 box and opened it up, removed all of the packaging, fixed a fresh battery inside, and began to tune in to Rahim's frequency. Something is wrong, he immediately thought, as the radio picked up static and a few whirs and whistles at the other end. The rain was coming down hard outside now, a heavy torrent of water pounding hard against the window. He realized what the problem could be. He stood up and walked to the window, opening it wide as the howling storm tried to take it from its hinges and Jamie's head along with it. He looked out and up noticing that the antenna he had mounted on his roof to boost the walkie-talkie signal had come loose, the rain and wind tearing it down. It clung on for dear life, but Jamie knew he had to reposition it before it fell towards the yard, no doubt ending up bent out of shape and unusable after dropping onto the patio. He ran downstairs to put his sneakers back on and realized that Frank was now staring directly at the TV as a zombie child stabbed a woman to death with a trowel. Back upstairs, Jamie climbed onto the window ledge with the radio in his hand, reaching desperately towards the guttering. He edged along, the wind swooping up his varsity jacket like a cape. He held on tight to the side of the house and felt around blindly for the antenna, taking hold of it and haphazardly fixing it back into place. It wouldn't last, but as long as he could talk to Rahim, even for a few minutes, it would suffice. The ice-cold rain struck his face as the radio squealed, Rahim's urgent broken voice erupting from the speaker. Come! Come in! Jamie's right foot slipped as he almost plummeted towards the ground. A split, sharp edge of the guttering had latched onto Jamie's sleeve as his hair was in his eyes as he struggled to find his way back into the window. Apply! Don't go! Don't go outside! Jamie awkwardly tore himself free with the hand that was holding the radio, managing to turn around so his back was to the window. Jamie! There's a fly! Did you get that? A fly! A dark shape shrieked as it came up from the yard and into the sky, its otherworldly size blending into the darkness as it moved. Wings flapped hard, the width of whatever it was causing Jamie to scream as he fell backwards into the open window, landing hard on the carpeted floor, his shoulder taking the brunt of the impact. The radio slipped from his grasp and rolled under his bed as the shadow moved over the house, a venomous screech following closely. Jamie sat up, wiping the rainwater from his face, his breathing rapid and his heart feeling like an inflating balloon in his chest. He was unsure what he had seen, or if it had really been as enormous as it seemed. That shriek, it was unlike anything he had heard before. It sounded like fingernails on a chalkboard and glass shattering and car gears grinding all at once. Jamie! Frank was calling from downstairs. He sounded terrified. Panicked, 
Jamie leapt up from the floor and almost fell down the stairs as he took them three at a time, running to the aid of his sibling. In the living room, zombies were eating a man on the TV and Frank wasn't watching anymore. His teen wolf costume was in a heap on the floor. Jamie! He called again from the kitchen. As Jamie reached him, Frank was kneeling down with the back door open, the storm bizarrely and promptly subsiding. There was a distant silent flash of lightning. There was something clawing at the door, Frank said calmly. It sounded like a dog. A big dog. Frank had retrieved a flashlight from the kitchen cupboard and was aiming a beam of white light at something on the step just outside the door. Jamie knelt down beside him. There was a package that looked like it was made up of shredded clothes and padded with dirt, spilling out worms and cockroaches from the top like an undercooked insect pie. It was moving, as if the creatures had been packed in tight and were escaping from every crack and crevice, wriggling for freedom. On top of the parcel was a pair of spectacles, the frame splintered and drops of rainwater pouring from them like tears. Jamie recognized them right away. They belonged to his mother. Thank you for listening to Act 1 of The Nest. This episode was written by Ben Errington. Ben Errington, as you may well know, is a member of the Hawk and Cleaver team. You can find out more about him at facebook.com forward slash Ben Errington Writer, or you can follow him over on Twitter at, at Ben underscore Errington. This episode was narrated by Persephone Rose. Again, you may recognize Persephone's voice. He's narrated tons of episodes of the Other Stories podcast and can be found at legendarystoryteller.com. Or you can follow him at, at Persephone106. This episode was edited by Carl Hughes, the last vanguard in ultimate audio quality. He's a member of the Hawk and Cleaver team. You can hear his work every week over on The Other Stories podcast. The Nest theme music was produced by Timo Henderson. You can visit timohenderson.com to check him out. Some of the music you heard was produced by Adneon Lux. You can check out Adneon Lux at soundcloud.com forward slash Adneon Lux, which is really difficult to say. Other music, sounds and special effects were provided by zapsplat.com and freesound.org and of course the Night of the Living Dead sound effects were provided by the Night of the Living Dead which if you didn't know accidentally entered the public domain the moment it was released due to George Romero and his producers accidentally leaving off a copyright symbol on the opening credits due to a last minute name change so that's a little bit of horror movie trivia for you there so stay tuned because tomorrow we will jump into act two of The Nest Until next time. Hello, my name is Alex Markley, and I'm inviting you to check out my new podcast. It's a surreal sci-fi comedy series called The Unlikely Adventures of an Improbable Family. It's about a forlorn shell of a man, his egotistical laptop, a cartoon alien fuzzball, and a mysterious woman with telepathic abilities. You can find The Unlikely Adventures on the web at unlikely.show or wherever you find your podcasts. Give it a listen and let me know what you think. And thanks 